Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Trevor Moronis, who's the CEO and President of Control Point. They bridge the gap between regulatory people and craftspeople in the food safety field. And we're going to learn more about what that all entails in this show. Welcome to the show, Trevor. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So let's learn more about you and your background and what kinds of experience you've had before finding yourself working in the cannabis industry, which I'm sure is different, uh, even, even for food safety. So what's your background like? Well, I actually started my career in a kitchen itself and washing dishes. That was my first job ever in a kitchen. And after washing dishes and working my way through the various ranks in a kitchen, uh, my wonderful first chef that I ever worked for said, hey, you know what? It's time for you to go find something else. We are kind of out of stuff. We've moved the restaurant. We've grown business. Why don't you move to Nashville? And by that time, I was already considering moving to New York City and working in the industry there. And I made the leap of faith and moved to New York City. I went to culinary school. And throughout culinary school, I held full-time jobs. Um, And then when I got out, I started working retail, um, retail butchery to be specific. Mm -hmm. And from there, I got pulled in to work in a manufacturing setting. And that's kind of where I've kept my career ever since. So food safety was my responsibility. They handed me a beautiful binder that was a food safety management system and said, this is your responsibility, go. And there were a lot of trials and tribulations for me along that way because I didn't have a lot of resources. We paid consultants uh, a lot of money to give us guidance, but they really just delivered bills. And there was programs that they gave and that was sort of the end of it. So I got a a lot of non-compliance reports, but those failures for me were really big stepping stones for success in the future because I learned what not to do and how to do things properly and reading regulations like a lawyer day mm-hmm. in, day uh, day out. Um, and that's kind of where my uh, career has taken me. And for, in that, I was responsible for taking products internationally to Dubai, Hong Kong, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and uh, the European Union. Oh, wow. So we, we, like any operation, you wear multiple hats. You fix the equipment, you purchase the new equipment, you train the staff, you make sure that everything works together like a beautiful watch. All the gears mesh properly. Wow. So yeah, it sounds like you have prepared yourself for the 
regulatory and compliance uh, circus that is the cannabis industry. So moving on to that, what what got you interested in taking all of your skills and background and applying it to the cannabis industry, which, you know, as you know, is federally illegal and, and has a activist component to it as a movement. What was your story or reason or inspiration for getting involved in helping cannabis? Well, we, I myself and Amy have many, Amy is, is a managing partner of Control Point. Unfortunately, she can't be with us today because she is leading one of our largest clients through audit preparation uh, that they go through every year for their customers. Important and, stuff, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. also the certification bodies because it's not just one, there are several. Mm. And Amy is like the leader of SEAL Team 6 for food safety. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, the reason that I got in, interested in it was because of the medical background. Uh, my family has a long line of epilepsy. Oh, no. And uh, that kind of piqued my interest from the beginning. And later on, I was actually diagnosed as an epileptic patient myself. And so I started looking into it. And I've never been very big for pharmaceuticals. Um, I don't even take uh, ibuprofen if there's swelling or a headache, just mm-hmm. more of a personal preference. So I started to dive deeper and start reading more journal entries and connecting with people. And there's a wealth of knowledge that has been published for a very long time ago. And I started to see the true light of the cannabis industry. And then I realized that there was not a lot of food safety practices or a big concern for it. And I saw that as an opportunity for the industry to continue to own it themselves and take that and make sure that they can kind of create those regulations for themselves. Kind of like what the finance sector has done, you know, before things have gotten very wild, they could essentially do whatever they'd like to put it as plain and simple because they had drafted the regulations and they were able to kind of push the direction. So when regulations were being um, changed or altered, they could say, well, we have a say in this and this is why, and here's a wealth of data. Got it. That makes sense. Um, and thanks for sharing your personal story and relationship with the plant. And it has been great to see that, you know, cannabis oil has been so helpful for people of all ages with epileptic conditions. And I hope it's, uh, I hope it's something that helps you honestly. Um, so, here we are in the present, and you are CEO and president at Control Point, and you do work to advise cannabis companies about food safety management programs. So all these delicious chocolates and edibles that contain cannabis. Uh, so tell us more about your role and the work you're doing and, and what you like most about helping the cannabis industry in this way. Well, I think... I think first we'll touch base on the work that we do as Control Point because it's not just me by myself and uh, a one a one person rodeo. You know, I have team members that are involved in this. We have a legal team. Uh, we have a, a team that does everything and puts all the programs into Spanish because a lot of the communities that we connect with rely on the cannabis, or excuse me, the Spanish speaking individuals. And so it's sometimes harder to connect with them. But what we do is we put ourselves in the mix side by side with them so we can wash the machines, take them apart, build them. Uh, we don't run electrical 
those types of things. It's not something that we touch, but we're able to connect with the team. So when we put these programs into effect through the implementation phase, they're much more likely to succeed from the start. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less hiccups and there's less um, miscommunication from the beginning, and they're more receptive to those things. Uh, but uh, what what do we like most about this? I, I think for me, what I enjoy most is training people and educating them and spreading the gospel of food safety because it's such a powerful <laughs> tool that it's mostly not looked at as something of value. It's like, well, from a food service perspective, we have to do it. So that's why we're here. But come on, let's do it quickly because I got other stuff to do. Totally understandable, but there's more value to it. And if we change the perspective of that, then the clients will start to see how they can apply these things as a daily business plan itself and monitor things very closely and catch things before they start to break or things go out of uh, outside of compliance. They're not hitting their critical limits or they're not achieving their quality aspects. Food safety is the first and foremost. Quality is so much more easily achieved after food safety is achieved. Got it. Got it. So we're all fine working on that struggle to make compliance and regulations fun. So thanks for doing your part. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat more with Trevor of Control Point. So stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're chatting with Trevor from Control Point about food safety in the cannabis industry. So to jump right back in here, let's let's take the big picture view and talk about the challenges and the big picture needs of the cannabis industry as it relates to food safety. As we know, edible products that contain cannabis are hugely popular. There's an explosion of products on the market um, for people who don't want to consume it through smoke or vaping, for example. Um, So we see all these gummies and cookies and even infused hot sauce and barbecue sauce, I'm sure is out there somewhere. Uh, So what are those big picture challenges and needs when it comes to cannabis industry food safety? That's an excellent question. And I I think that this particular answer can somewhat transform on a day-to-day basis because the industry itself is always evolving. But some of the biggest challenges that we see is that the companies that are getting into the industry don't always have the experience in the manufacturing background. They may be coming from a food service background, banking, um, medical, which there are certain practices that are that can be implemented there for the benefit of an operation, but they need to step back and see if we're monitoring everything from the start and we're building the structure, we can have higher employee retention and higher net promoter scores. And we're mitigating a lot of these risks. We're not allowing things to fall apart before we go, we should change things. And I know this is going to be a little bit outside of cannabis itself, but there was a Michelin star restaurant in in, uh, Europe that uh, may have been responsible for the death of a young lady. And that's very unfortunate. But why do we let something that's so interesting in one aspect of an industry get so crazy before we go, maybe we should have a different approach to this. You know, it's not as negative as everybody likes to see it. Huh, Michelin star restaurant, huh? I bet that was embarrassing for the owners. Some kind of food poisoning issue? Uh, They don't know exactly what had happened. The report that came out was that they were going to shut down and they were working closely with the authorities. That's very good, but it's still a big negative press. They have to have legal marketing and everybody's still behind it. They're still paying salaries. They're still paying for the utilities to keep the lights on and the water running and the gas heating uh, the equipment. So oh, wow. it's, it, it's a, it's a huge picture thing. And, you know, we don't, we don't have to let it get like this. Um, sure. we attended a conference and we had a conversation with a team that had approximately five products on the market between, uh, pre-rolls, beverages, um, edibles, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and some tinctures, sure. but there were various brands and and uh, types that they were pushing. And we had asked them, hey, before January 1st of 2018, what are some of the food safety challenges that you've run into? How did you approach them? And what is your approach to mitigate mitigating them further? Uh-huh. I kind of looked around, make sure there was no uh, legal people around. And they were like, well, to be honest, we haven't <laughs> run into any issues, but knock on wood, we'll worry about it when we have to. It's like, I don't even know how to respond to that, but I thank you for your answer. Have a wonderful day. I had to walk away because my head kind of exploded in the moment. I was like, ooh, this is scary. I can see that would be frustrating. And 
especially for those in the cannabis industry where we know that the cannabis product is a wellness product and many people use it to feel better. So it would uh, kind of give you the opposite result if you got somebody sick from 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 your edible product. That totally makes sense. So when we're talking about food safety and you know, it being a wide ranging set of regulations for everything from restaurants to other manufacturing settings. Is there, is there a, a comparison to the cannabis industry versus um, other, other types of regulations for food safety or, or how does it compare maybe to other industries? I think it varies state to state, but what we're seeing from the regulatory aspect of each state is they're having a food service approach. Does the piece of equipment have a sticker on it that they recognize as being acceptable? Are there paper towels in a dispenser and is there warm water for hand washing and hand soap? Um, And that's kind of what inspectors do for food service uh, Mm -hmm. operations. Where in manufacturing, we don't really care who made the equipment as long as we can verify that it is safe for the operation itself. Mm. And we adjust our programs and the flow diagrams and the hazard analysis to say, hey, we put a new piece of equipment in here. It's remotely changed, maybe slightly changed the process itself, but we've gone through and we've reassessed everything from the start to show that this is acceptable and is a very sanitary piece of equipment because of all the way that it was designed, the chemicals that we're using and the practices that we have And we also have the training to prove that these people have been trained. When I walk into a uh, facility, one of the first things that I do is ask everybody, show me your training. And then I go find the people that have signed the training and I have them display if they really understood it from the start. Mm, Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, So what's the ideal for food regulations and what lessons can we learn from other non-cannabis food safety controls like maybe produce or like apples or bananas or or meat industry so delicious steaks are there are there similarities or lessons from those those verticals that we can take here into cannabis Absolutely. I think if you look at each of those industries that you mentioned, like produce and the meat, it all starts from the very beginning. It's not just about where the product is manufactured or extracted or infused or sold in retail. It also comes from the very beginning of the plant itself. So it's it's also the cultivation. Mm. I mean, there's pest management. Uh, we we monitor a lot of these blogs and conversations and we don't generally get too deep involved in them because we want to see the conversation kind of stay alive and keep going. And sometimes we kind of put our two cents in there. People are like, um, this is going to end. (laughs) We don't want to talk about this. So we just monitor them, but pest management is a huge concern in, in the um, cultivation of, of produce itself. And then there's, you know, the beginning of where the, uh, in the meat industry, where the, the animal has, has lived. And for, for us, when I, you know, I started my career in butchery at a retail counter and then went into manufacturing of the, um, the, the meat industry, it, we, we respect the product from the beginning and 
throughout its entire life. And I think that we need to have that same approach with cannabis, where it's got to have a good life, it has to have a good death. And in this case, we're not really uh, taking the life from it, but we are harvesting it uh, for other purposes. And then we need to be respectful through the processes and then respectful as um, the the consumer if if we are indeed consumers of the product. Absolutely. I mean, nobody likes feeling sick from moldy cannabis smoked or, um, or anything like that. So I, I can definitely appreciate that. And, um, having products be respected from literally from seed to sale, uh, from plant to product is, is super important. Um, again, just underscoring what I said earlier about these products are typically wellness products. They are meant to help people feel better. And I know I've had food poisoning before from a restaurant and, you know, who knows if it was the food itself that was bad or if the chef didn't wash his hands or what it was. Um, so hopefully the hospital figured that out, but it, it's, it is important that every step of the way you're making sure that everything's clean, everything's following a procedure intended to create a safe product. Does that sound about right? Yes. I want to I want to segue just for a second and ask you a question. Did you consider what you ate six weeks prior to you getting ill, like going through the actual process and and being um, short of energy and and even an appetite? Oh, wow. No, I didn't think of it because it was so severe and so onset. Uh, It was, you know, after a night out with a friend and we stopped at a diner and ate. And then I woke up the next morning feeling like absolute garbage and had to go to the hospital. Um, It was it was pretty bad. But no, I didn't think about anything other than it had to have been that meal because that was fine before. So onset from an illness can come from six weeks prior to you doing something, especially if there's international travel involved. You know, we, there's, I think there's a world of, of, of memes about the water um, south of the border or in mm. other countries. And the reality of it is very true. You can, you can take on something, but it may not give you a negative effect until further on. That's kind of frightening. (laughs) It's good to know, though. It's good to know. Um, So it's not just what you touched that day. You know, you have to really take into consideration a few weeks beforehand. Wow, that that makes things really tough. Okay, let's uh, let's take our final commercial break, and then we'll come back and chat more with Trevor from Control Point about the world of food safety. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. 
Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chi Chin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are kicking off in Seattle, Portland, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Phoenix in January. Register today using the promo code CANNABISRADIO20, all spelled in caps as one word, CANNABISRADIO20, to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back and we're wrapping up our chat with Trevor from Control Point today on the show. Um, So you're a member of NCIA and it's great to have you. And you're also on our infused products committee uh, to theoretically help prevent some of these uh, potential nightmares or horror stories. Uh, Quickly, I wonder, do you have any nightmare horror stories uh, about food safety that you could share with us? You've already talked about uh, the the girl from the Michelin star restaurant in Europe. Is, Is there anything else that comes to mind that listeners should be aware of? Absolutely. Uh, When we put together these programs for each company, we don't just copy and paste and put somebody else's logo or name on them. We write them specific to their operation. So there is a form of discovery that each each, um, client goes through so that we write programs and plans and procedures that are applicable to their operation. I could tell anybody how to do something, Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't make sense for the way that they're actually doing it in their facility, Mm -hmm. then it's it's kind of a loss. So what we've done, and this is going to be a story outside of the cannabis world, but we wrote a testing program, product hold and release, and that they had to test the product in this particular manner at this frequency, um, at this quantity. And this is the laboratory that they sent it to. Okay. And they felt like they were spending too much money on that. So they decided to change it. They didn't actually rewrite the program. They just started doing things differently. And then they called later on. They had their their full grant of inspection. And they said, hey, we, we have a presumptive positive. What should we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, get in your car and go pick it up and mm. account for every single pound, whether it's been consumed, trashed, it's on the shelf, it's in the facility, wherever it is, find 100% of it. Mm-hmm. Recall. Yeah. And well, no, not, not recall market withdrawal mm-hmm. because okay. re- recall would mean that we are going to get more. Uh, we're going to notify the, the federal government and tell them, Hey, this is what's going on. 
we're doing this. We're doing a voluntary recall. So then you need your marketing team behind you on this. Gotcha. So, all right, well, let's tell the lab, call them right now that you're going to pick it up and then you want them to verify if it is indeed a positive. Mm-hmm. And through the course of the next 48 hours, it, you know, everybody's sweating bullets. They're like, oh no, what are we going to do? This is very challenging. It's very yep. terrible. It's like, well, let me tell you, you probably should have done this from the beginning the way that it was set up for you. You know, we, this isn't our first rodeo. We don't just shoot from the hip and blindly. <laughs> you know, we've done, this, we've done this for a very long time and we take a lot of pride in setting these up specific to your operation. And they were able to get a results back from the laboratory that it was indeed a just a presumptive positive. It turned out to be a negative, very beneficial, but they didn't even get their products off the shelf in time. So there was a massive risk involved financially, Oof. customer trust, and then the operation ended up shutting down uh, because they run out of they ran out of funds. And it's very sad, but it's the reality of the the world playing in the major leagues. You don't just come in with a small uh, Louisville slugger that you got at a uh, gift shop and then try to swing for a home run in a major league game. Yeah, makes sense. Sounds like that company had a really close call of of there being a really big problem. But um, long story short, the lesson of the day is do your compliance, do diligence, don't skip steps. There's a reason for it. Yeah, um, say as right. you do and do as you say. Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're on our infused products committee and I look forward to uh, your contributions to um, maybe some webinars or reports that that committee is going to be working on, Um, which leads me to um, NCIA's educational opportunities, whether they come from uh, something we produce with our members or from our policy council or at our conferences, um, like uh, the Seed to Sale show last year. I, I believe you were able to attend. Um, what did you What did you like about the Seed to Sale show? It was an excellent networking opportunity and to speak with industry professionals. And what we did was take a lot of what the Infused Product Committee was working on and try to generate uh, a conversation and, and see who would be willing to sit down or, or stand and, and just kind of have a, a quick chat. And did they understand the importance of what we were doing? And we are literally just trying to spread the knowledge. No one's trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, it's it's very important for us to be a part of the NCIA, but we're looking to just spread that knowledge. That's it. You know, like I said earlier, spreading the gospel of food safety. And it it's not, not just an opportunity for Control Point to slap their name on something else as a marketing opportunity. We could pay somebody to do that anywhere. You know, we're, we're really looking to educate the industry as a whole and be proactive in the industry maintaining the ownership of it without other people coming in and making regulations that aren't really applicable for what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, NCIA, our membership, it's, it's, it's all important to us that we stay ahead and do go above and beyond, not just what's required, but really be our best. So when federal legalization does come along, we're doing it right. And there's not a lot of problems. Um, and a great way uh, for listeners to con- connect more with NCIA and, and help push our industry forward is to register for our Cannabis Caucus events, as well as our as well as the Cannabis Caucus's fun cousin event, the Industry Socials. 
they're really a great way to connect and get to talk to people like Trevor about something very specific to the cannabis industry that maybe isn't your expertise. So sharing this knowledge to make us all better is one of the reasons NCIA provides these educational opportunities at our conferences, on our blog, through reports, and so on. Um, so thanks, thanks again for being involved, Trevor. And I hope you'll be able to make it to Washington, D.C. in May for our ninth annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. It is so important to not only teach each other, but it's also important to teach lawmakers about the cannabis industry so they can hopefully co-sponsor legislation that helps us out. Uh, well, we have hit the end of our show today, but I want to thank you again, Trevor, for getting on and talking with us today about food safety. Well, thank you again for having us. It's it's really been wonderful. Um, we're always open to these conversations. So even if it's not scheduled for a broadcast, you know, we invite anybody to just reach out and say, when do you have time on the schedule to set it up or just, you know, give us a quick ring. Sounds great. And you can find more about them at controlpoint.consulting. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.